0: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's RBC Canadian Open. Joined to break it all down by, yes, Sia Najad. Hello,
1: Sia. Hello, Rick. I was just discussing with Troy how, you know, it was tough to watch Denny lose, but it was great to watch Victor win, and I thought, you know, Denny let one slip through his fingers. We're not sure how many he's going to have, but it's nice to have $2.2 $2 million in your pocket for second place for, for, I don't think he choked Victor came and grabbed it from him, but uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of tough to watch and really cool to watch at the same time yesterday. Yeah,
0: If you're going to finish second somewhere, you might as well do it at, at, at one of the big events, right? Uh, obviously he wants, he wants more than that, but when you're Denny McCarthy, um, you know, that, that win, or excuse me, that, finishing position probably checks off a lot of like what your season goals are going to end up being about Mm -hmm. like hearing your card and making X amount of dollars, like all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So We'll see a uh, new challenge ahead of us this week before we go to LA for the U S open and even more of a challenge, see it because we've never played at Oakdale before. So we're going to do kind of a lot of wild speculation of how we think this golf course is going to play, what it's going to look like, who it might benefit and all that fun stuff. So we've got,
1: we've got some, we've got some work ahead of us today. We definitely have some work ahead of us and, and it, it is going to be, I, I, I don't want to say it's going to be completely speculative because we have sort of the dimensions of the course and hole by hole and, and things of that nature, but this is tough. We have no courses to go on. We have tournament history, which doesn't really mean a ton. I think you can apply certain things from other sort of similar tournaments that had similar core setups uh, for the RBC Canadian. But yeah, this is going to be one where, it, you know, it might be a good thing ultimately, Rick, because I think what it might allow us to do is maybe fade the prevailing narratives. And we might have a narrative too, but to fade those prevailing narratives and maybe go with some guys, some less chalky guys that are going to end up sort of passing everybody in your DFS lineups.
0: Yeah, because I guess the idea being that. No one knows. So (laughs) of most weeks, uh, wouldn't you prefer to be pivoting more frequently in a week where no one knows than in a week where everyone at least
1: thinks they know? That's exactly right. And and the thing is, and, and I want to be like super clear here because your your pivot could be a pivot just in general in terms of the, the type of player you want, or you could agree with the prevailing narratives, but then just still have a couple of pivots in your lineup. I don't want people to be confused and, and think, especially in your GPP lineups, your tournament lineups, you got to pivot six out of six. I mean, you really to really get your lineup going. Maybe you take a few chalky guys and you take maybe one or two kind of pivot guys. So that's just something to consider as you're considering some of the guys that you, you'll love this week.
0: Uh, well, before we get down to business, let me remind everyone listening that the one-and-done selection form for you, the fans, that is live now. There's a link in the description. You can enter your pick for this week, $9 million purse, a little bit top-heavy at the top of the board. And you can get involved and continue your chase to check catch up and chase down Mark Immelman. We'll be going live Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time for the Mega Preview Pod, and we will reveal the selections then. Oakdale. Oakdale Golf and Country Club. Troy, if you want to share my screen. I've got the scorecard here. Uh, We've never played competitively here at Oakdale, and the RBC Canadian Open in general moves around a lot. We'll play here this year, and I believe they also have it on the schedule for 2026, but we're taking as much information as we can find anecdotally on the internet, Google or whatever you want to do to try to figure this place out.
1: Yeah. And so one thing to consider here is we've got three par threes, three par fives. Um, What does that leave us with? By the way, two of the three par fives are incredibly short. So, I mean, I think all of these are reachable. I think par five scoring might be something you want to take a peek at for sure, but a lot of, a lot of short par fours. So I I think what that means, Rick, and again, I'm not the authority on this I'm in sort of speculation mode, but I, I certainly think what you're looking at here is, a lot of wedges coming in uh, in, on your second shot. So while I'm going to be looking at a lot of approach, weighted approach uh, via rrg.com, it's that wedge play, you know, 75 to 150-ish, 75 to 125, that I think is going to be a little bit more important here than at other venues. Yeah, I tend to
0: agree. I mean, just kind of rolling through this, here's, uh, you know, some of the par fours, 379, 384, um, 354, 367, 424, 419, 398, 432. That's like eight holes, nearly half the holes that are very likely driver wedge of some type.
1: Yeah. So Rick, I got to ask you though, when it comes to the driver, like I don't know how to parse this when it comes to what I think. And we'll find out as the days kind of go by, of course, how rough, uh, how penal the rough is, but I'm just curious is it going to be a lot of driver or is it going to be a lot of like positional? I I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm asking you.
0: Uh, I think it'll be dealer's choice right? This course isn't long enough to box out the short hitters. So I, I think that um, they'll be able to hit driver in spots and the longer hitters will have their option of trying to take on more. I mean, from my understanding, so par 72, 7,200 yards, that's going to skew on the shorter side of par 72s. My understanding is that this is a golf course that has not seen a lot of, of, of rain so far this summer. It's, it's pretty firm. It's pretty fast. They can bake it out a little bit. The rough will be long, but I, don't think it was gonna be necessarily thick, uh, which is a little bit different. So I I think you're gonna see very little defense out there um uh, outside of maybe some of these green complexes. So so I think that you're gonna end up seeing already, uh, and I've only gone through the par fours, like a lot of driver wedge, or even a lot of like three wood nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like not. There's it, only so many and and the modern player tries to pump it down there a lot further than, than past years.
1: Right. And And I do think that, and you might've mentioned this just a second ago. I think that brings like everybody into play. And I wonder, Rick, we'll get to the top of the board in a second. I know we need to see the stat profile and all that, but I'm just curious. Do you think that sort of minimizes some of the guys at the top? Because it is kind of one of those where it, it brings in a lot of the players. Yeah, of
0: course, right. Like, think about um, think about the birdie fest. Think about driver wedge courses. Think about who's won those. Think about why John Rom doesn't like putting contests. Right, the best players in the world don't want it to come down to putting. It's not only the most variable, but it is where, for the most part. Uh, those guys are not as good that that's, that's the facts, right? They separate themselves off the tee. they separate themselves, uh, on the second shot, they separate themselves from T to green. So yes, I do think a golf course that I'm, that I'm seeing in my brain, which could be wrong is, is a golf course that opens it up for a lot of people. The other thing, just characteristic wise, um, the fairways are pretty narrow but again i don't think the rough's going to be super penal they're like 25 yards on average which is definitely on the on the on the skinnier side of things and then a lot of these holes have a very similar like elevated tee box to a to a lower fairway and then hitting back up a hill to an elevated green like that's that's like the same kind of concepts that you're going to see often out here yeah that makes sense and i think it's going to turn into a putting i think it's going to be a wedge fest Putting contest. Mm -hmm. And I think, unless they get wind or really bake it out or really put some of these pins in some weird spots, I think the winning score is like uh,
1: this is really tough on the
0: golf course we've never seen before, but like 20.
1: I was going to, yeah, I was going to set the the over under at like 21 and a half. The fives are, they're going to demolish the fives. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, they're going to demolish a
0: lot of these fours. Yeah. (laughs) Like the real defense will be so three, four, three, four, five, six is interesting, right? That's that's four straight par fours, at least four hundred and sixty yards. Again, not it's not crazy, right? I mean, four hundred sixty yards is driver nine iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, the threes. I, I Yeah, I just don't know where the defense is on this thing. I think it's I think it's going to be beat up pretty good. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, we will jump into the cheat sheet. And put some names on paper and start talking through the salaries and everything else that uh, goes into it. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: And we're back. I do want to remind everyone that this Saturday on CBS, one of the most celebrated soccer tournaments in the world is down to just two. Just two clubs, man. City meets Inter in the UEFA Champions League final. Our world-class team will be on the pitch, as they say, with live coverage beginning Saturday at 1.30 Eastern on CBS. Um, Go back to that. Go back to that, Troy. Go back to that. This guy on the left here, this long-haired blonde. Is he Norwegian? Ooh. Uh, I
1: honestly have no idea.
0: we will know. His name's like um, it starts with an H. It's like Hargard or. Well then, okay. Yes, he is Holland. Yes, H yeah. A A L A N. He is like he is like the premier guy. Is has there been a has Norway been taking over our sporting culture? Is this something that we need to investigate?
1: <laughs> He's twenty two years old. Three years uh, junior to Victor Hovland, I believe, who just took down the memorial.
0: And uh, there's also a tennis player, Casper Rudd, I believe his name is, who's like. Look at you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: they're no longer just a uh, just a winter sport uh, mecca. They can do the other things well as well. All right. Cheat, cheat, Troy. Thank you very much. Rory McIlroy, Sam Burns, Terrell Hatton lead the way. 11-5, 10-5, 10-2. Very small $10,000 range, Sia. Uh, Certainly with no shortage of question marks, but the man at the top, Rory McIlroy, looking to complete not only a rare three-peat, but probably an unheard-of three-peat, three consecutive wins over five years at three different golf courses. Uh, that's probably never been done before in a
1: world where Tiger's done everything. So Rory on the cusp of history, if he can pull it off. Yeah, I'm going to say that's definitely never been done before because it's obviously so rare that you have three different courses in three consecutive years. Uh, That would be amazing. You know, I think what you're going to hear about Rory this entire week is, well, we're looking at wedge play, right? And he hasn't been good with the wedge play, right? So maybe he gets checked off some people's list. But then again, you can make lineups with Rory McIlroy and the, the lineups will, you know, in terms of pricing, like you can do that. I don't think Rory's going to be for me in this range. I wonder how you feel on that. There, there is a 10K guy I like, but I don't think it's going to be Rory this week. So here's where I'm at. Um, to me,
0: the criticisms of Rory's wedge play are valid. And we saw that in full effect on Sunday at the Memorial, I'm not going to overreact to just one, you know, um, one round underneath the spotlight that everybody saw. I would say the other concern that I have is that in 2023, he has been pretty pedestrian with the putter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that is something that we have not talked a lot about and it's not like he's been bad. It just hasn't been nearly as good as, as we have seen Historically, or at least recently. And I think on this golf course, um, it's going to really open itself up to having to, like we've talked about, hit your wedges close enough and roll the rock. And it's not long enough to keep anybody out of it like it's just this is not a good combination like if if this was if we went back to Oak Hill this week I'd be like screw it I'm in on Rory right like I don't care that he didn't play well on Sunday like I don't care It's, it's such a great course that sets up well for him yada 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 I just don't think amongst those other things that this is particularly a great spot for him either
1: Yeah. You know, there, there's so many arguments to like for and against Rory this week. I mean, I I think one of the ones against is with his game kind of, kind of slipping in a couple of areas now, granted he hasn't been bad, but it just hasn't been what people have expected. So you wonder with the U S open on the horizon next week, if he's, you know, kind of working on stuff and maybe that's a narrative that doesn't exist. Maybe I'm just kind of parroting something that we kind of hear from time to time, but it's that it's the, it's the putter and the, the wedge game and the, the approach play. I mean, he's lost four out of the last five on approach. Like, That's just not very good. With that said, I do think he is a confidence guy. And I do think if he starts to get it rolling and I don't think this is breaking news, but it wouldn't surprise me. If he starts to get it rolling both on the greens and with the, the approach play and he just starts like it clicks and and he starts dominating. And that's what we see with superstars, whether it's somebody, you know, in the, like a Victor Hovland or, or even a Colin Morikawa who kind of fought back until he had to withdraw in the, in the final round yesterday. So I think he can turn it around and, and completely boat race, this this field but at the same time i don't think i'm willing to make my investment there
0: uh how about the other two sam burns terrell hatton uh is it an opportunity to grab one of those guys or do we just want to skip this top tier altogether and and start our lineups elsewhere
1: well, it's both actually. So I want to start some of my lineups with Terrell Hatton. Uh, the ball striking, interestingly, interestingly for him, hasn't been like amazing. It's been solid. It's been great. It's the short game that's really coming through for him along with, you know, pairing that with the ball striking. So I do like Hatton. I do think he can win here. I I've started. So I've done two different types of lineups, and I think this is how people are going to build. They're going to grab a 10K guy and a 9K guy, and then they're just going to go from there. And just just for everybody's edification. If you have Terrell Hatton and let's say Tommy Fleetwood, you are going to end up with 7,500 and some change left. Probably, I think it's 7,550, which isn't bad. If you grab three 9K guys that that are going to be popular, let's say Rose, Fleetwood, and Lowry um, at 9,600, 9,700, 9,400, that leaves you with 7,100. So before, you know, listen, I I like Terrell Hatton. I'm not going to be playing Sam Burns. but. But Rick, I'm curious, how would you rather start your lineup with a 10K guy that you like and a mid 9K guy with seventy five hundred fifty left or with those three 9K guys, Rose Fleetwood and Lowry with seventy one hundred. So
0: if I was playing a single entry, I I would I would not mind going being the Burns guy over Hatton and starting there and being different. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, I like the way burn sets up with his wedges. He can get hot with the putter. I think he's a little bit riskier. That's fine. Um, If I was building a lot of lineups, I, I think that more often than not, I would find myself starting in the nine K range and getting some combination of Fitzpatrick Rose, Fleetwood Lowry um, in most of those, right? Like, like, you know, two or three of those guys in a lot of lineups and just pile up some win equity. Take my, um, take you know, I've, I've I've identified one or two golfers a little bit further down the board that I feel a little bit more comfortable with. Take my chances on those and and try to pile up win equity. If I'm if I'm if I'm kind of out on Rory, if I think that Burns is pretty volatile and I think that Hatton's going to be super chalky, this is a pretty easy case to be made to go just start in the nine k.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I do. I definitely think there's going to be some nine K guys that are chalky too, including like the literally the three guys I mentioned because it's pretty good price points considering the field. I don't think that your roster is going to be vastly different because you you have that trio in your lineup because I think I think more than a couple people are going to do that or at least grab two of the three. But I, I like the idea of Fitzpatrick and Connors and there's some there's some contrarian place. I know we're not at the nine K range, but I'm I'm just talking about roster construction. I just think it's going to be interesting because I think you're going to have those two types of construction. I think you should keep that in mind, not just because you you know, you shouldn't start your lineup that way, or you should, but what does that leave you with? And what are people going to do with that amount left? I mean, it's usually, you can kind of put people in little boxes in terms of what they're going to do with a certain amount of money left uh, in any given tournament. So it's just something to think about. Uh,
0: Here's to put the bow on, on Sam Burns. You know, I'm usually pretty iffy on the proximity buckets, but when you start piling up similar ranks across adjacent buckets, I think it's pretty clear to say, okay, this guy can hit his wedges pretty well, right? You know, he's top, call it 50-ish from 50 to 125, 75 to 100, 100 to 125, those kind of shorter iron areas. And he gets a little bit worse on the longer, mid and longer iron areas. So I think there's a path for Burns, but it it is, it is interesting. I think um, not only is it a week of, of just like pivots, but it's a week of roster construction conversation that I think is going to play a pretty big role in, in how the outcome happens
1: yeah and I, and I also think once you get to like the I mean the 7k range just like a lot of other tournaments there, there's just a lot of different directions you can go to potentially be different especially in a field and with a tournament like this w- one more thing on Burns that I think is interesting sure is that if you are just looking at him from a ball striking standpoint and, and even like an approach standpoint it, it's not great but what you just pulled up for those of you that are watching us on YouTube you just pulled up the wedge play yeah. uh, for Sam Burns in particular and that paints a much different picture given the Proximities, you know, I I think I don't know what the percentage is, but I I think we're probably talking 40 to 50 percent of the approach shots are going to come from less than 150 is is my guess
0: yeah I mean we we just kind of went through it quickly so you know so remove the uh remove the fives so that's three fives we have eight of the holes that we kind of said were like the shorter par fours so that's 11 out of 17 uh three of the other ones are 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 par threes so that's 14 so really there's like five Probably four par fours in which you might have to hit like a middle, a mid iron or something like that. Uh, but I think twice as many you're going to be hitting. They're going to be hitting short irons or wedges into them.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I think that it would surprise some people that the, the the wedge play with Sam Burns is actually, if you're looking at approach globally, you're probably thinking, okay, well, Sam yeah. Burns can hit it pretty far. It's the long irons where he's actually excelling, and it's the wedge play where he's not really excelling, and it's literally the opposite of that. Uh, so the wedge play actually looks, you know, we're looking at 50 to 125, 100 to 125. Those are all decent numbers, not superior by any means, but it's, it's those longer approaches where he's been really struggling. So it's something to pinpoint for this tournament specifically as it relates to Sam burns
0: yeah it is pretty clear um there, there's kind of two areas right he's like top 60 in the short shorter proximities and outside of top 100 in the in the longer ones um 9k range so this is uh, a lot of the names we've already alluded to but it's fitzpatrick connor's rose fleetwood lowry then we get to the curious case of cam young sahith tagala uh matt kuchar and that is all So uh, I think we've already identified there's probably going to be some concentration
1: around the Rose Fleetwood Lowry camp all for, for good reason. See Oh yeah. I mean, all, all for great reason. I, I like all three and it's just something you have to consider when you, when you're making your rosters, like how, and you know, you'll see on Wednesday where, where the ownership lies. I think all three of these guys are going to be pretty popular. Nobody out of control. I think all three will carry like a certain, I, I'm, I'm going to like ballpark it like 17 to 20 ish percent um sort of ownership which isn't like completely out of line but uh yeah rose continues to build off uh great approach numbers really like what i'm seeing from rose fleetwood Bat at the charles schwab with the ball striking uh specifically but prior to that like was really good and he checks all the boxes that i'm looking at weighted t to green weighted approach weighted off the t and he has the short game too. lowry i feel like it's going to be like kind of batting practice for him like weighted t to green weighted approach are amazing for shane lowry um First, I think it's first in the I think he's first in the field in both of those over the last 24 rounds. Uh, So I like all three. I mean, in terms of like pivots, I I, I think Cam Young is really interesting because now we're at a place where nobody really wants to play Cam Young. I wonder how many people are going to want to play Fitzpatrick or even Thigala. So this is really a range where you really got to consider the pivots and you really got to consider the unknown of this course. Uh, And just the idea that some of these guys like uh, Cam Young might be able to rebound. So I kind of like everybody in this 9K range. But if I'm talking like cash game or if I'm talking like a small tournament or, you know, heads up match or a 50-50, that kind of thing, it's Rose Fleetwood and Lowry for me.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair. I'm probably a little bit more uh, skeptical or worried or concerned or whatever you want to call it for for Cam Young and the way that he's been putting and the way that his short game has has kind of come together. I, I'm glad you pointed out what Rhodes has been up to because his ball striking numbers, especially approach numbers, are significantly better in the last couple of months than we saw for a long period of time. He used to be very, very reliant on the short game. That's no longer the case. How about this one? How about... Um, if we think Rose Fleetwood Lowry are carrying a lot of ownership in the nine K range, Matt Fitzpatrick. Okay. There's this weird thing that happens. See it. And it's, it's both good and bad that no matter what, what it is, is basically whatever happens on Thursday, barring a win is what everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. So you get credit. If you say, Oh, Justin, Suh, he's the man. well, you get credit for a good call, even though he finished T forty one, because everyone remembers he went out, got off to a hot start, and he was in the lead after after 36 holes. And they might mm-hmm. not remember that he finished T forty one. They just probably figured I, ah, you know, he finished near the top of the board. He didn't win. Um Matt Fitzpatrick's the opposite. Matt Fitzpatrick was horrible on Thursday and I, and people remember like, that's what they remember. They will not remember because he didn't win that he had the second best score on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and ended up finishing T nine, right? Like there's this weird mental phenomenon that happens seemingly every single week in terms of Thursday being the only thing that people remember.
1: Well, what's interesting about that, of course, it's true. But what's interesting is like in the Justin Suh example, and he's been great, by the way, but, you know, he, he had a bad Sunday. And I think most people would would sort of write that off. They'd be like, oh, well, you know, everybody's entitled to a bad day. But because Fitzpatrick's happened on Thursday, he's going to get all the hate because that's like before the cut, right? That's when people are like super worried about uh, right. their six of sixes. So, I mean, I I think, I think that phenomenon is absolutely true. I do like Fitzpatrick. I wonder because he's 9900 if he is in one of those squeeze spots where people are either going to go up to Hatton or they're just going to go down to the, the plethora of players, maybe not Connors at 9,800 because that's a pretty high price for him. But I, I think I think Fitzpatrick and maybe even Connors, even though it's like the whole Canadian narrative, I think those two get squeezed a bit because people are going to go up to Hatton or higher, of course, or they're going to go down to Rose, Fleetwood, or Lowry. Fitzpatrick was the second best T to green player behind Scotty Scheffler over the final
0: three rounds. And for the entire tournament, he was like, seventh.
1: Another thing, another thing about Matt Fitzpatrick, and and I think this is actually kind of keeping me from being hyper confident about him. And it's so silly, but I'm just going to say it out loud. Anyway, we were at a new course on on the PGA tour for, for one of these DFS shows. I can't remember which tournament it was, but I believe it might not have been this calendar year. It might've been the fall swing. And I remember saying to you and Greg at the time, well, you know, because there's such an unknown and we don't have course history, I want a guy who 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 has everything in the bag, all the tools in the bag. And we know he can kind of be good off the tee, be good be good with the ball striking, short game, all that stuff. And I just remember him being really bad in that tournament. I can't remember which one it was. So now I have this like preconceived notion that that logic is completely flawed. But I, I do like Matt Fitzpatrick, especially if he's going to be far less owned than Rose Fleetwood and Lowry. I'm trying to
0: look through and see where like where that where that might have been. I don't I don't know where that where that would have been um okay let's continue this conversation we will uh look towards the 8k range and go further and find a little bit of value but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners And we're back. The 8K range starts with Keith Mitchell and Benny on, who has just withdrawn. That's Benny on, so don't play him. Uh Adam Hadwin, Adrian Moronk. It goes all the way down to Nick Taylor, Michael Kim. I count one, two. Only two. I thought there were more Canadians in this range. I thought there was like three or four. There are not. There There's are three. Who? Oh, um, Hadwin, Svensson, Taylor. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's the th- I, I skipped over Svensson. Uh Three Canadians in this range, a couple more in the 7K range. All right. What do we want to do here? Because again, we talk about this a little bit, but like this is the clear drop off point, right? We were just talking about Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood. Now we get Adam Svensson, and Adam Hadwin, Joseph Brown.
1: It's a huge drop off. And that might be, you know, from a roster build standpoint, Maybe you want to have two 8K guys in your in your lineup because most people won't do that given you know what we're seeing with the drop-off. And if they go off, like if you have two guys that are really successful in this 8K range, you're probably going to be passing a lot of people. And your roster build is just regardless of who else you take, it's just going to be different. You know that because I think most people, they're not completely skipping over this range necessarily, but I think some people will for one. And I, I think to the extent people play this range, just you know, the average everyday player, I think they're grabbing one and moving on. I don't like this range at all. I mean, so I, I'm going to have to really talk myself into a couple of these guys. I liked Ben on. So there goes that. Yeah. Uh, the, the next guy I had on my list because I only had two. Normally, I would say I like Adam Svenson, but there's two problems with him. One, I don't love his price, and, and the thing is, I think because of the Canadian narrative and because he's just been known as a good ball striker, I do think he's going to get some ownership. If I'm wrong, I'm willing to play him, but I, I, I think he'll get some. What's interesting about him is the ball striking is, I hate uh, it's been kind of bad lately.
0: I hate it when a guy like, who is usually very good is horrible at something. That usually takes a long time to rebound right? Adam yeah. Svenson, And the reason that when Tim Tucker left Bryson DeChambeau's bag and went and caddy for Adam Svenson for a bit is because this dude flushes it. And what he's, what he's not doing right now is flushing it, which is always very concerned. I, I know it is outside the data, but these Canadians put a lot of pressure on themselves for the Canadian open. I think the last time we had a Canadian win, it was like 1954. Like it's it just like, they take a lot of pride in this and I hate the added pressure while your game is already not in the shape that I would want it to be. It.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things where I do think Svensson can bounce back and 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 get a hot putter, which he he's done lately, and be hot on approach, which he hasn't done lately. But again, unless he's going to be lowly owned, I, I just have no reason to go to him, given his recent form.
0: All right, there's a couple more interesting ones I need to talk about. Um, let me just check in. Yeah, so uh, uh, quietly playing some pretty great golf is Joseph Brablett. Uh, Joseph Bramlett now has made five of his last six cuts. He missed the cut to Charles Schwab. It was kind of a weird one. T-16 at the Memorial where he gained strokes across the board. He's playing much, much better golf and the dude moves it, right? Like he is no longer just a long drive threat. He has a much more complete game. The, the, The path that I would probably go here, Sia, are with a couple more of maybe the unknown entities i'm drawn to adrian moronk i'm drawn mm-hmm. to nikolai horigard i'm drawn to ludwig aberg who's making his 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 uh professional debut so quickly on quickly on those guys moronk is moronk's a stud like don't get it twisted moronk's a stud he won the italian open a couple starts ago he finished t5 at the klm open on the european tour a couple of weeks ago has played a ton on the pga tour this year you know t14 at the honda like Plays good golf. Hoygaard, uh, I believe it's just coming off of a miscut. Is that true? Yeah, at the Memorial, which is like a bizarre, by far the worst tee to green week of his life. I'm okay for a bounce back. And then Ludwig. So while he's making his professional debut... Um, you will see him a lot. He's now got his tour card through PGA tour university. So for the, the rest of this year and all of next year, but he's played the API finished T24 there. He's played three events across the PGA tour and the European tour made cuts in all of those. Like I would rather, if I'm going to be different in the 8K, I want to be really different and take these like high upside. Nobody wants them guys.
1: Yeah, Aberg's hes interesting. I—I I, I don't mind not being early there. He looks like he's cut from chalk, by the way. That's got to be the best profile picture of all time. If you're not watching us on YouTube, what are you doing? Hit the like button too, by the way. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Strong is, jawline,
0: and he is like—I mean—he's
1: a—he's a stud. He's a. Stud. You're playing him this week.
0: Uh, listen, I'm not going to be like, I'm not gonna have like hundred percent of him, but like he is a, uh, very talented golfer who has already played. Like, this is not his first, it's not, it's not his first PGA tour start, right? It's just his first start as a professional where he can make some money. So I think it's a little
1: bit, I think it's a little bit different. Yes, I will. I will definitely be overweight on the field of, of, of Ludwig. I mean, T24 at the API is, is pretty great. Granted, a lot of that was with the putter, but he was, you know, positive in the ball striking department. That's that's interesting. Another guy that I wanted to ask you about in the 8K range. The So I had two guys in the 8K range that I was like, all right, I'm going to talk about these guys. One was Ben on. So there goes that. The other one was a, a Greg Ducharme, maybe Rick Gaiman special in Michael Kim. And I don't know if I'm chasing. Yesterday with Michael Kim, or if this is like a sign of, of stability with him in terms of hey, he's he's his weighted T to tee the green numbers are pretty good, but the finishing positions are are telling me a lot about Michael Kim on the weekend. T six at the Charles Schwab, uh, seventh outright at the Wells Fargo, fifth at the Puerto Rico Open, uh, and then of course a, a just a, a ton of made cuts in between that. I mean, I, it's hard to deny this guy at eight K to me. Yeah, he's been very good
0: in 2023. And it's a lot of cuts made. And then, uh, you know, you love to see that his best finishes are basically his most recent finishes for the most part. And he's doing it in a way that seems super sustainable, right? This is not, he is, he is kind of hard to project and, and model on because the long-term stuff is garbage. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to forget, you know, 27 missed cuts in a row or whatever it was, uh, for Michael Kim, but like, this is a much better stat profile. And I think it is long enough. I mean, he has gained strokes to the field in like eight of nine and has some really good finishes in there. So I, I, I think that is just fine to go and play Michael. Kim.
1: And look at this profile. It's very pale. We know what we do with pale profiles.
0: That's right. The pale play of the week. Okay. Let's continue. The sevens. Names like Brendan Todd, Eric Cole, all the way down to Andrew Novak, Dylan Wu, Lonto Griffin. Lots more options here, Sia. A lot of these guys uh, played Monday to get into the U.S. Open and tried their hand at, at qualifying. Some to different degrees of success than others. But how do we want to go about spending our assets here?
1: Uh, There's so many guys to like here, which is not atypical. I mean, you mentioned Dylan Wu's name at the bottom. I kind of always love playing him. I always think he's underpriced. So that's certainly someone to think about um, as we pull up his profile. I mean, yeah, the the approach play has been pretty solid. Uh, The the short game has been okay. But I I think it's 7K, Rick. I, I mean, isn't this the classic Dylan Wu? Like, He's just not going to get respect in the market in terms of ownership or pricing.
0: Yeah, and you can pretty easily write off those two back-to-back missed cuts. And also, um, as we speak, he is on the verge of qualifying for the U.S. Open. He He is in round number two of the day. He is nine under in total. Uh, he's got a couple of holes left to go. If he can stick there at nine or maybe get to 10, he's going to be in the USO. So he's playing well on Monday, playing well on Monday. Maybe he plays well, carries a little bit of that momentum to Canada and, and continues it.
1: That's a little something I like to call the first cut podcast bump. Uh, we did right. it for Victor. You're welcome, Victor. And uh, we're doing it right now for Dylan Wu. but let's start at the top. Um, speaking of young up and covers, I think Eric Cole at 7,900 makes a lot of sense. Good wedge player, by the way, weighted approach, um, it, you know, as you might expect uh, also looks pretty good. And, and I just, I just like his ability to make cuts and his finishing positions in general. Um, a couple guys in the mid range, Sam Stevens I think is very interesting. Also a good wedge player, weighted tee to green very good, weighted off the tee, very good. Um the ball striking can be a little hit or miss and the putter's been bad, but if you're willing to take a chance on a on a volatile putter, I think Sam Stevens has some upside at the very least.
0: Uh Sam Stevens is winning that. He actually he ran away with that US Open qualifier that Delaware and it's in Springfield. He played 36 36- Uh, holes of bogey free golf. He went 65 62, including a 29 on his second uh, nine, I believe in the second round. So yes, Sam Stevens is feeling it, at least on a Monday
1: yeah and and again when i look at his profile to me he like again he's going to be volatile but to me he's the type of guy that could have a nice weekend and 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 honestly when you're looking at tournaments i mean that's really what you're looking for you're not looking for the guy that's going to make the cut and then just slowly fade away on saturday and sunday i think sam stevens has the potential to 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 make the cut and not fade um some more names here lee hodges it's hard to ignore his profile as of late he's just been playing really well he's striking it really well um Short game, not so great, but he's made three cuts in a row with a T-12 last week at the mo- Memorial, and he hung in there. Like the, I mean, he didn't have a great day on Sunday, but I think he was plus four. But overall, I mean, plus four wasn't a, a horrible day, and, and his tournament was was very good. A um, few more names. Ben Martin at 7,300. How can you not like Ben Martin? This is the Ben Martin podcast. Wedge play is solid. Weighted T to green is solid. I like Mark Hubbard. And then two guys at the lower range, Rick. Patton Kazier who I recently played, and it worked out okay. Good wedge player. You can pile up. You can pile up birdies in bunches, which I really like. And then, of course, our guy. If it wasn't named the Ben Martin Podcast, actually, we have a new name of the podcast. It's the Carson Young Podcast. 7,100. Speaking of Dylan Wu and guys who just the market is just not respecting, at least the pricing market, DraftKings, I think you could have put Carson Young at maybe not 7,600, but you certainly could have put him at 7,400. And nobody would have said that was too expensive. Some people might have said that's a little light for how he's striking it.
0: You're not going to get any arguments from me. Approach play's been great, putting's been great, results are flying in for top 21 finishes in his last six starts playing with confidence. Uh this does not include uh again, y- y- you 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 mentioned confidence. Like he he qualified for the US Open by boat racing a field 2 weeks ago. He's already in. So like it- it- the dude the dude's been playing great golf all over the place, not just what you're seeing on the screen. In and PGA tour events, but like put him in any field and he's going to go out there and play. Well, he is $7,100. That's, that's a bit light. He should be more expensive than
1: that. Yeah. I think there's going to be some, some ownership in that, like between that 7,100, or I should say seven K in like 7,300 range. Um, which makes sense because what, what's going to happen with the roster construction, you're going to have like a, a couple of nine K guys, if not three, nine K guys. And then people are just going to naturally go down to the low seven K range. Uh, and even if they don't do that build, I mean, 10 K nine K, like you'll ha- grab one, eight K. And then again, you'll be stuck in the low seven K with a couple of your players. I think Shez Revi is interesting at 7,100 as well. Um, there's a lot of interesting guys here. Yeah. I think young <laughs> Dylan Wu
0: and Eric Cole where the three, I mean, Cole's got three top twenty-fives in his last four starts and mm-hmm. uh, at a fifth place finish at Mexico a couple starts before that. So he's been playing, he's been playing a lot of golf, but he's been playing a lot of great golf as well. Those are probably my favorites. And I could I could be convinced to take a flyer on Aaron Cockerell, who is uh, playing his first PGA tour event in a long time, but his European tour stuff is awesome four, excuse me, five top 21 finishes in a row, including a runner up finish a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. So if you like that mold of a golfer where it's like, ah, playing well globally comes over and tries to stay hot. Like that's, that's probably your bet.
1: Can you pull up Vincent Norman's uh, wedge play numbers? Because uh, from what I was looking at, they didn't look very good. I think he's kind of an up and coming guy, but that was one thing that was a watch out for me.
0: Yeah. So it's tough. Um, yikes. 50 to, 125, fifty to one twenty five. He's one hundred eighty second. Fifty
1: to seventy 100, five. He's one forty nine. Seventy five to one hundred. He's one ninetieth. One hundred to one twenty five. He's one sixty four. It's not. It's not great. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is an understatement.
0: He okay. also. Um, he also cannot putt. One hundred fifty eighth in putting. Yeah, Mexico. Like Mexico's is a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good spot for him, and he took advantage. T eighteen. Awesome. This is probably not a great spot for him.
1: Yeah, again, I I put an emphasis on, I want to boldface just the idea of not just looking at the approach numbers, but specifically the wedge play. Because if you look at his last four four-on approach, they look pretty great. But the proximities that we're going to dial in on uh, for this one, uh, it's, it's not a good look for him. $6,000.
0: Range. It's Austin Smotherman, Davis Thompson, Kevin Chapel, amongst others, all the way down to a min-priced Mike Weir Canadian, Andrew Landry, Derek Ernst, who actually, did he just get into this field or just get out of this field? I think he just got into this field. $6,000. So, Sia, how do we want to spend our cheapies
1: here? Uh, we don't. I mean, I, I really don't want to get into the six K range if I can help it. I mean, there's a couple names that sort of come to mind. They don't necessarily jump out to me. I mean, I usually like the six K range. Kevin Chapel is interesting to me. Adam Long is interesting to me. Um, Justin Lauer is interesting to me. Um, other than that, I mean, Hank Lebiota. I mean, like Lauer Lebiota, like guys like that. I, I noticed the wedge wedge game was actually pretty good, but overall, like, it's a pretty tough scene here. It
0: was. The Derek Lamely who got in, not Derek Ernst. So I, I confuse those two. Ernst has always been mm. in this field. Okay. How about a little Sam Bennett in our lives? Mm. Right now, a professional. Everyone remembers what he did at the Masters as an amateur. T-16. Played the Memorial last week. First three rounds. Really, really good. Last round. Horrible. I I don't know how I feel about that. I usually don't care about that. So he also made the cut at last year's U.S. Open. The kid can play. The kid can play, and now he's a pro making that money. I think he's a a ping guy now. Um, that's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Marty Dow. Ooh. Marty Dow is interesting. Hold on. What's his price? Sixty eight hundred, I believe, or sixty nine hundred. One of the two. Sixty nine hundred. Okay, that's interesting. There was somebody else. I can't remember. Who did you say earlier? Lee Biota. Yeah. I wanted to pull up his and, and Lauer and Lauer. Okay. Yes. I knew it was. Okay. A couple else. I wanted to pull up some of these stat profiles here. Knoxville. Jeez. Yeah. Lauer was the other one I wanted to look at. I like Lauer a lot. Okay. Missed the cut. At the Memorial made the cut at Byron Nelson and, and Charles Schwab. Game's been a little, a little lackluster as of late. Let me pull up the,
1: I will say this about Lauer though. It's the wedge. Okay. You're looking at it now. I, I thought the wedge play was actually decent for him. Yeah. It's not great. Not great. Yeah. It's not great.
0: Um, what about where is my guy? Okay, Paul Haley's here. Paul Haley had a like kind of a close call as of late, right? He had that fifth place finish at uh at Charles Schwab. But like what do you do with this? Like the six straight missed cuts, I guess it was 12 strokes gained uh, in the short game categories. I always just catch his name because I always see it up there. It's easy to pop up because it's Paul Haley the second. But like, I guess
1: we can't go back to this. This is clearly this is clearly a mirage. Can we look at one more profile that's sure to be really bad? Oh, boy. Um, Eric Van Royen. Because oh. I seem to recall him popping in the in the wedge play a little bit as well. Listen, if you're going to go back 36, it's it's not going to pop in any way, shape, or form. But I think maybe recently it's been okay. Okay, that looks pretty good so far.
0: Uh, three straight missed cuts, played better two starts before that. The approach play outside of a horrible loss of Charles Schwab has been actually pretty good. Uh, the driver, he's got to get back to this. He's got to get back to being like, a slightly above average driver mm-hmm. you can do that. You just can't, you like, you can't lose three strokes off the two. You just can't and, and expect to contend the rest of this game. Isn't the worst thing I've ever seen, especially for the price.
1: Just kind of looking to see percent. I mean, the six K range is, is it's bad. pretty bad. Chesson Hadley is interesting to me. I I, I kind of have a, a thing for him. I think he can pop here and there. Let's see. If the
0: fans have given us any six K names that we can throw in there in the form of strokes gate narratives, which are lineups created and then tweeted in and we share them on the show. If they're good enough, let's go Troy. Let's see what we got. Rebecca back at it again. She says, this is an open. Just what else has Canada given to us? Oh, so these look like whether they are inventions or discoveries of Canadians, Canadians or in Canada, and then connected to golfers. So for example, 1874, the Terrell
1: Falon, Alexander Graham Bell was Canadian. I I have to look this one up because I I don't think he was, but she might be saying, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like some nuance here when it comes to the invention itself.
0: This always sparks like us doing a history lesson. At some point, because I never believe anything was the telephone invented in Canada. I'll just type that in. Um, ah, okay. So Alexander Graham Bell, his family emigrated to Canada, but he moved back to the United States, or he moved to the United States. And I believe invented the telephone a couple of years later. So I guess there are ties to Canada. Okay, that'll work. Medical Insulon, Ben on. He has withdrawn, but that is still very good. Electron MacRariscope. Microscope. The electric wheel chair O'Hare. Nice. I don't mind Sean O'Hare in the
1: 6K range, by the way.
0: Wonder Brant. Snedeker wonder bread. You ever have wonder bread? Oh yeah.
1: Always back in the day for sure.
0: Uh, canola oil, coal, Nola oil, Eric Cole. That's pretty good. And a special shout out to the 1999 block, Barry Pager. Michael black. You want to play
1: Michael block this week? I do not. Come on. What if he was 4,000? <laughs> what What'd you plan? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yes, I would play him. And I, and I would hope my five of six is just dominant. Brent
0: Harris says Canada has an abundance of amazing comedic talent. So this is a Canadian comic slash PGA tour player mashup. Oh boy. All right. Dan. Ackroyd McElroy. Dan Ackroyd.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Matt Fitzpatrick Moranis.
1: Honey, I shrunk the kids.
0: Joseph Bram Arnett. It's
1: pretty good. Will Arnett. Phil Hart Smotherman. Shout out News Radio and Saturday Night Live. He was awesome. Catherine
0: O'Hara. Sean O'Hara. And Marty Short-Laird. Martin Short. Martin Short will always be funny. Always. But see, this could have been Martin Short Laird. Why was it Marty? He goes by Martin.
1: Mm, That's true. Because Marty's more fun. It's more comedy. I know
0: it's more fun. And I know it's like party Marty Laird. But but the mashup was right there for Brent. Yeah. He missed the layup and took a three-pointer. Or he he passed up the layup, took a three. Did it go in? I think it might have. I like Marty. But (laughs) it might have gone in. In the mashup. Uh, up for debate Brent does a good job thank you Brent next line Ryan the fantasy bunker says did you know there are seven NHL teams located in Canada wow I didn't know that quick Troy take this away oh no name the seven Canadian hockey teams oh no Uh,
1: Calgary Flames Edmonton Oilers um, Toronto Maple Leafs Ottawa Senators Oh man. I'm I'm I feel like I'm on a game show and I'm about to like miss some like super easy ones. I have I have one.
0: Go. Vancouver. Ooh, yeah. Canucks. That's 5. Uh, did you say Edmonton?
1: Yeah. What am I missing?
0: Oh. Winnipeg. Oh, okay. The Jets. Who are we missing? We got Toronto. We got we got Oh, I got it. The Montreal Canadiens.
1: Oh, we didn't say Montreal. Oh, geez. That's a bad one. Dang. Tough seat. All right. Thanks, Troy.
0: So Ryan says uh, Harrison. Andy Cottawa Senators. Nice. Adam had Winnipeg Jets. Boom. See what we're doing? I got it. Benny, Toronto, Maple Leafs. We are on a roll. Montreal, Canadrians, Maroc. Perfect. <laughs> Eric Vancouver Canucks Royan. Yep. And Doc Redmonton, Oilers.
1: Yep. That, that's actually pretty great. Um, and Leshawn O'Hare has come up a couple times. EVR just came up again after calling him out. And Doc Redman, interesting. I'm going to have to go back and I might include them in some low-end lineups, those 6K guys.
0: Oh, John Mark. We go from – we go like – like <laughs> the, the IQ necessary to, to read John Markowski's Strokes Gain narrative lineups is not an IQ that I possess. These are French phrases in honor of the Canadian Open. French phrases that are somehow going to be mashed up into golfers' names.
1: Do you want me to try this or no? Yeah, go ahead. I don't speak. I mean, I'm not, I took no French classes, but um, I, I at least had the chance to read this while you were while you were buying time. Maybe you should take a crack at it. Scott Piercy Bucu,
0: Mayor C right? Yes. I got that one. Benny. Bonjour. Pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. (laughs) Adrian. Excuse me. Excuse me. Wrong.
1: Parlez-vous (laughs) français? That could be Dylan or Brandon. They're both in this one, right? Uh. Gemma
0: Paul Haley.
1: Jumapel Haley. Okay.
0: <laughs> Bienve Nunez. Augusto Nunez. God, gotcha. Thank you, John.
1: For the record, there were a lot of submissions this week, like almost as much as we've ever had. So we usually only do four. Uh, So for those of you that sent submissions, send them next week too, and we'll try to get them on here. Did you want to play Sam Stevens? He just withdrew. Oh, ouch. Wait, after qualifying, he withdrew? Interesting.
0: Well, I qualify for the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, no, I get get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Now he's like, well, I'm going to rest now. Yeah. Right? Right. I'll I'll get to L.A. early. I don't need to go to Canada. I'll tell you what. I was probably going to be a little overweight on him and very disappointed Friday, late afternoon. So maybe that's a good thing.
0: I also think like there will be more of these. So, yeah, like there's probably no point in starting to make your lineups. But, like, I think Monday night and Tuesday morning, we're going to know, like, the field's going to change a lot mm-hmm. because of this. So um, don't get too attached to all your lineups, especially for guys that are playing in qualifiers right now.
1: Yeah, agree. Okay. By yeah. the way, just real quick, uh, interesting names in the upper 7K range that we just didn't talk about. And, and it, I just want to point them out. Taylor Pendrith is 7,700. Matt McNeely, who I literally never play, 7,700. And Aaron Wise at 7,800. I just think those are interesting names considering the field and the price.
0: Okay, fair. Um, Pendrith playing well, and he will not withdraw because Canadian, he will take pride. Mm-hmm. So he will likely qualify for the US Open. He's playing well right now. All right. Uh, Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. We'll be back on Tuesday for the mega preview pod for the Canadian Open. Sina Jade available on Twitter at Sina You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.